Welcome to Quick Brain, bite-sized brain hacks for busy people who want to learn faster and achieve more. I'm your coach, Jim Quick. Free your mind. Let's imagine if we could access 100% of our brain's capacity. I wasn't high, wasn't wired, just clear. I knew what I needed to do and how to do it. I know Kung Fu. Show me. How do you master your productivity? This is something I think a lot of people struggle with. When I'm in our private Facebook group, the questions and the comments around, Jim, my to-do list is just getting too long. I keep on falling behind. I can't maintain my focus to get things done. Why is it not easy for me? How do I set up my environment to be able to win? And that's the subject of today's special episode on mastering your productivity. Now, I've assembled three amazing experts to be able to help you along on this journey. The first one is the amazing Julia Roy, and she's going to share with you how to have fast focus and productivity by hacking your physical environment. Here's Julia Roy. Okay, number one. Designate work-only zones. So you want to designate different places for different types of work. Because when you're there, you, it's a lot easier to get into what you are doing. So we have laptops and mobile phones, and they let us work anywhere. But when we try to do more than one thing in a single place... It becomes harder to do that task. So when you are at your desk and you are sometimes brainstorming, sometimes checking emails, sometimes managing projects, you're constantly distracted wondering what you should do because you use that place, you anchor that place in all kinds of different types of work. When you get in your bed and watch TV, when you get in your bed and sometimes you read a book and uh, you're checking your phone, you're checking Facebook, you're checking your email, and then we wonder why it's hard to fall asleep at night, why our brain won't turn off. Because we're using our bed for all kinds of things, for work and for play. And then we're frustrated when we can't fall asleep. Because now the bed is actually not a great place to do what it's meant to do, which is to sleep and dream. Because you're confusing it by doing different kinds of things in that place. Number two, set the right soundtrack. Sound is so much a part of our physical environment, even if we're not aware of it. The good news is, is that audio cues is one of the easiest things to insert into your workflow because of music. Um, for example, if you're trying to get through your inbox or check your emails, find a specific playlist uh, or a specific song and set it on repeat. Now, I do this. I check my, when, I, when I'm trying to get to inbox, that elusive inbox zero, I play the same playlist. It's called Intense Studying. It's on Spotify. And what I really like about it is, is that it's fast and it's upbeat and it pulls me along, but there, it's, it's instrumental, so there are no words. So I can read and write and um, compose really well-articulated emails because I'm not distracted by, um, by the lyrics, which is a thing for me for sure. All right, number three, give your devices specific tasks. Okay, so you might not think of your devices as your physical environment as a part of um, the space that you live in. But if you think about it, uh, what I, I, I love, I read this study that talked about how when we look into our computers, our brain doesn't know the difference between the real world and the digital world. So that's why when you read an email that's super nice or an email that's, you know, that's not so nice, that you feel the same way as if that person was standing right there telling you that to your face. 
And so when it's looking into the computer, it's seeing the same thing as it would be if it was in the physical, real world. So we should use our devices in order to support different modes of work. So for example, you know, I have my my personal phone, my work phone, I have my, I have my work computer, my personal computer, I have my old iPad, my new iPad, I have my Kindle, I have all of these devices that I use to get my work done. And most recently, I've tried to really focus on my writing. So I took an old computer, got every single app off of it except for one writing app, disconnected the Wi-Fi, and that's the device that I use to write. And it's been a month now, and now whenever I even just see the background image on that computer and I open it up and there's only one app in the little um, you know, bar at the bottom in the little dock, it's so much easier to just stay focused on writing because I'm here until my writing is done. There's nothing else I can do there. A good example, too, is also your iPad. Use your iPad for entertainment purposes only. Don't watch videos on your work computer. Don't open Hulu or Netflix or any of that. Because then when you're working on something that's particularly hard and you're just struggling with it and you feel that resistance, your mind's going to try to find other things and places for it to do. Check your email or maybe watch, oh, I think that there's a new episode of my favorite show on. You designate your iPad and when you know when you're on your iPad that you are, you know, you're watching videos, you're reading your backlog of Kindle books, you're actually finally watching the videos for a training course that you bought a year ago. What's fascinating here, again, is that soon when you have your iPad, you automatically relax. You're not confused. You're not adding to-dos or anything like that. The iPad becomes a place where you can truly release and relax. When we designate different uh, devices for different types of work, it just makes it easier to stay focused. So you want to designate specific places for specific kinds of work that require different kinds of thinking, Use music to help push you along in the same music, the same first song, to get you going, to get you started, and to keep pushing you through that task. And then also use your devices. I'm sure if we all pull out all of the computers and phones and Kindles and iPads that we have, we can probably designate one device for each thing that we do in our work. And start to use your environment better as a way to create the place where specific kind of work happens. And when we're talking about productivity, we can't have a full conversation without bringing in Ari Mizell of Less Doing. He talks about the differences between productivity and effectiveness. So let's talk about how to amplify your effectiveness with Ari Myself. Then I break it down into sort of three areas. Any business that is going to run as an optimized business, it's going to grow. I think you have to look at these three areas. So communication, project management, and processes, very simply. So with communication, the key thing for me, which may sound counterintuitive to a lot of people, is that you actually want more tools for communication than less and tools specifically for certain kinds of communication. So while some people might be like, oh, no, you don't want to be channel switching and be all the different things and having text messaging and WhatsApp. And this is, I actually disagree. I think you need to have specific tools for specific kinds of communication so that our brain actually switches into those contextual modes to do it. So for me, email is an external communication tool. I'm never talking to my team in email and I never think I'm going to when I walk into it. And there's all sorts of things around email management that I teach. But Voxer is a sort of a walkie talkie app. I use that with clients. Slack is what I use for our team. Intercom is the tool that I use to bridge the gap between the two. Then we can use that for sales and customer support and 
communicate about an external matter internally with the team without bringing it into the other tools. So I know whenever I'm using one of those tools, what I'm supposed to be doing and the mode that I'm in. And you can see it because it's the written word for most of these that my communication in Slack, which is with my team, is a lot more relaxed, more casual than it would be in email. And I might take a couple extra seconds to send an email than I might with Slack message because, you know, the risk is lower. So that's important for communication tools. I just mentioned all the tools sort of that I like to use. Well, so, I mean, and as you asked me before where I do my work, if I'm doing uh, audio or video recording for the most part, I'll be doing that in my home office here. But other than that, I try my best not to work in that space. You know, it's really, it's soundproof. It's like, or sound reduced. It's really designed for that. But I don't want to sit there and do any writing. Or, you know, have sort of a casual like Zoom conversation. I would probably do that even at the kitchen table. So those are things where the context really does make that big difference. So the next area is project management. And with project management, my favorite tools really is Trello and Airtable. Now for 95, 99% of the people listening to this, Trello is going to be your best bet. Airtable brings extra robustness to it for more complex record keeping. But for most people, Trello is great. And at one point in time, I was Trello's biggest user. Wow. I love Trello. Yeah. Of their 20 something million users. Yeah, we were their biggest user at one point. <laughs> and it's an amazing tool that works with the Kanban style of organization, which is a Japanese lean manufacturing Toyota, like founded principles. The main idea of the Kanban, because you can do it with post-it notes on a whiteboard, is this idea that ideas are on an assembly line mm -hmm. and we're going to be running those projects, those ideas, those tasks through an assembly line. So there's a lot of sense of velocity to it and movement, which I think is important for humans. Do you like, you mentioned whiteboard, the difference between digital organization and something more analog, post-it notes, index cards, whiteboard, <laughs> do you have a... So I know that without a doubt, there is an absolute benefit from a neurological standpoint to writing things physically. And I mean, I don't know if they've done studies on this, but using the Apple Pencil on an iPad, I feel like probably gives you that same sense mm -hmm. of writing. So I like that a lot. What I would use that for is sort of note-taking and brainstorming. I would never use a whiteboard for a to-do list. Like right. that would not be my goal there. So for sort of getting ideas out quickly and like that brain, hand, mind connection yeah. thing, that I think is really valuable. And then you could digitize it and then from there be able to share, store it and share it. Right, exactly. Yeah, which is very easy to do. There's so many technologies to do that. So Trello would be the project management tool. And then moving over to processes, there's things like Process Street, which is a checklisting tool that's just really super powered. And you can do things with Process Street that you can't do with an ordinary checklist, such as conditional logic. So you can say, like, if the answer to this question is yes, then change the process to do this. And if it's no, go this way. So we have a conditional logic. We can also pre-fill in a lot of these checklists based on information that we get from other sources, like a sale in your Stripe account, you know, so mm -hmm. the ability to sort of track things through a really well-defined process is really important to me in scaling a company. So process tree comes in there. And then on the automation side, which relates to the processes, we look at platforms like Zapier and IFTTT, which very simply, it's like, if this happens here, do this here. And we have taken processes that were 24 steps requiring three different human beings to a completely automated process now using for the most part, free tools that never sleep and never fail. You know, one of the biggest challenges that keeps us from getting things done are distractions. A lot of those distractions actually were right on our phone. Have you ever noticed that? And so in this episode, I want to conclude this episode with a conversation with our friend Jay Shetty. Now, many people know Jay because he his mission is making wisdom go viral. His videos have been seen by billions. And we're going to talk about right now 
how to alleviate your mind and give it more peace and more creativity so you can get things done by giving yourself a digital detox. Here's Jay Shetty. I think one of the biggest things for me in a digital detox is just like a diet detox. The first step is awareness. So if you want to lose weight, gain weight, gain muscle, lose muscle, whatever it is, you would have to look at what do you put into your body. And I always say to people that health isn't just what you eat, it's also what you think. And so the first step is in awareness. So what I ask people to do is build a digital diet sheet. I actually ask people to sense their awareness and actually journal their awareness of how much they're on their phone and how often. Because when you see that, that awareness will already do half the work. As soon as you start seeing, I spent two hours a day on Instagram. I spent an hour on Facebook. I spent an hour on Netflix, whatever it was. And I'm not judging you and I don't want you to judge yourself. What I want you to do is build a genuine diet sheet for one day, two days, three days. So the first step is awareness. That's all I want you to do is take out some time to just journal down your usage. Now, if you're saying to me and you're listening to this going, Jay, I already know I spent too much time on social media, then you can go straight to the second one. The second one is build no technology zones in your home. No technology times and no technology zones in your home. Set rules, parameters, and barriers. So I always say to people that I don't like using my phone in the kitchen or the bedroom because it's more fun to eat and sleep with people. So remove technology from places where you can really build up beautiful human bonds with people. And usually it's the kitchen in our homes and the bedroom, whether we watch the TV in our bedroom or whatever we do, let's do that with people and whatever we do in our kitchens eating, cooking, these activities, which are great for human interaction and bond building. Let's do that with people. That's the place and also the time also? Yes, and the time and set no technology times in your home. So my example being, and I genuinely did this for years when I was practicing this, I locked my phone in my car outdoors so that it would not be the first thing I looked at in the morning. And I replaced it with a real alarm clock. A digital alarm clock or a real alarm clock. And that's what woke me up in the morning if I needed an alarm. I've trained myself to not need an alarm to wake up, but if you wake up to an alarm, switch it to an alarm clock. Keep your phone in another room. Do not wake up to your phone. That can save you so much time and hassle. And the third step to doing a digital detox is don't to and fro and pendulum between lots of technology and no technology. Build a diet and slowly remove parts of it. So don't start saying, okay, for the next seven days, I'm not going to use my phone at all. Because all that's going to happen is when you reduce that consumption, you're going to come straight back and want to do it. I always joke about how when I lived as a monk, I didn't eat any sugar for three years, like wow. none at all. And the day I left, the first thing I did was buy myself tons of chocolate <laughs> and eat all of it. When you starve yourself of anything, your mind wants to go to the other extreme. It's very often a trick of the mind. So one of the things I recommend is once you build your digital diet sheet, set out your parameters in your home and your boundaries, see yourself removing step by step. So don't try and remove Instagram and Facebook and Netflix all at the same time. Move one at a time. Make your change a big priority and a small step. Don't try change everything at the same time. So people try and change all their digital habits all at the same time. Just do one every week for a month. Thank you so much for joining me for this special episode on Mastering Your Productivity. For more information, I encourage each and every one of you to join me in today's show notes. There you're going to find 
full links to all of these episodes where you could go deeper into this subject. You can find them at jimquick.com forward slash notes. That's jimquick.com forward slash notes. And here's your quick challenge. I challenge you to take a picture of your notes or a screenshot of this episode. And here's why. What I want you to do is tag your experts in this episode when you post it and share your big aha. That if you want to learn something faster, the best way to learn it is to teach it to somebody else immediately. And so tag us, post it, and share your big aha. And as always, I'm going to share and repost some of my favorites. And as you know, with our quick challenge, we reward and we do these giveaways to keep learning fun, keep it engaging. We give away some of our favorite books by our authors on these shows. And so make sure you post it, you tag, you share your big aha. I look forward to seeing you in our next episode. And until then, always keep learning. Want to double your brain speed and memory power? If you'd like to learn rapidly and get ahead faster, I'd like to give you my brand new Quick Brain Accelerator program. You will discover exactly what I teach my clients to learn, read, and remember anything in half the time. There is no charge. It's my gift to you for being one of our subscribers. That's kwikbrain.com. Or simply text the word podcast to 916-822-7246 and we'll send you a direct link. That's 916-82-BRAIN. Growing up struggling with learning challenges from a childhood brain injury, it's been my life's mission to help you have your very best brain so you can win more every single day. Now, one more quick brain? Here are four ways to fast track your results and lock in what you just learned into your long-term memory. Remember fast, F-A-S-T. The F stands for Facebook. You're not alone on this journey. I invite you to join our free private online group. There you can connect with me, your fellow brain lovers, links to resources, and even submit your questions for me to answer in future episodes. Go to quickbrain.com. That's K-W-I-K brain.com. The A stands for apply. Act on what you learned today. Remember, knowledge is not power. It's potential power. It only becomes power when you use it. So use what you just learned. The S stands for subscribe. Don't miss the next episode and other free brain training. And finally, the T stands for teach. You want to learn faster now? The key is to lock it in right away by teaching it to someone else. When you teach something, you get to learn it twice. Here's a simple way to do that. Leave a review on iTunes. Leave a review with your biggest takeaway from this episode. You could also post and share this podcast on your social media. It helps us spread our mission of building better, brighter brains. And of course, tag us so our team could properly thank you. Hashtag quick brain, K-W-I-K brain. Mine is at Jim Quick, K-W-I-K, on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. So what does FAST stand for? Facebook, apply, subscribe, teach. I'll see you in our next episode of Quick Brain. Until then, remember, you are faster and smarter than you think.